0: Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. and Remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I want to give a quick shout out to a guy whose birthday it is, uh, Scott Brody. And it's funny, Scott Brody is from my hometown, Cherry Hill. And I, he went to Cherry Hill West, and I went to Cherry Hill East. And the only reason I know him is through Facebook. And the reason he knows all these people I know is because he was Jewish. My town was 85% Jewish. I wasn't. So they all knew each other from the synagogue. And it's always bummed because I wasn't Jewish, because all my friends would sit there. They grew up, and when they turned like 13, they'd make like $25,000 from mitzvah. And I turned 13, I think I got like a Foreigner album So I was always irritated But I want to say happy birthday The guy's the biggest Flyers fan He's back in New York He was out here making stuff happen He started a film company And he's back in New York So Scott Brody, happy birthday And maybe next year the Flyers could do something for you Anyway, we have a great show today. Uh, It took me a while to get in the studio because these idiots were here and wouldn't get out. But uh, we have a a guest. It's so funny. I I know his husband. I used to work at a restaurant with his husband like 10, it must have been 10 years ago. And I became friends with his husband, uh, Joey. I know it's Joey Trovich. Now it's Joey Rich. And I said, we have to get your husband on because his husband... Directs a lot of stuff. My guess is Anthony Rich. Good morning. Good morning. Thrilled to be here. I'm glad you're here. Sorry about that out there. You know what's funny is I always think about that. How it is such a small world. How people know each other and how and Facebook has really got us to be in touch with people that you would. For me, it's people I. Maybe harass when I send them to be on my show, but you become friends with people that you never would.
1: And it's really funny. I am actually not on Facebook uh, on purpose. Um, I have a core group I grew up out of here, and I have a core group of friends that I've known from high school and grammar school and all that. and I barely have time to see them. <laughs> And so I hear all these wonderful things about, uh, you know, who you could see and reunite with on Facebook. And it's just a time factor. It is. Uh, Especially when I'm in production. I mean, it's, uh, we just wrapped for the season last Tuesday. So I'm finally on a lovely summer
0: break and we're going to take a big trip. Uh, But yeah, it's been a wonderful year, but exhausting. Well, now we were talking earlier uh, outside. You, you now, I always ask people how they got into the business and you grew up in LA. I did. And your father was a, uh,
1: was a director. I like to say I got into the business the old fashioned way. <laughs> My father was a director, uh, and he mostly did uh, multi-cam sitcoms, and probably his most famous, the two big famous ones were the Dick Van Dyke show before I was born. Uh, he did three seasons of that, and then All in the Family, uh, he did the first four seasons of that, won Emmys for both shows. And then he had done, prior to that, some westerns. He'd been a stage manager uh, in New York, um, came out here, and then started doing just, uh, he did westerns, and then he did some features for a little bit, a couple Elvis movies, and then really settled into you know, became the kind of king of the multicam
0: uh, sitcom world, the Jimmy Burroughs of his day. What was his name? John Rich. You know, it's funny, I always wonder, I mean, what is it like, you know, as a... Kid, you know, I grew up. You know, every Saturday we would watch all in the family, and you probably went on the set and you saw Emmys, which you know, you know, we no one really knows when my Emmy brother and I like. would play with them. Yeah. yeah, I mean, so I mean, it must have been really as a kid, must have been fascinating for you. Well, it, it it was, and it was first of all,
1: he, my father, was kind of a um, how do I describe it, like a great Santini type character. He was that Robert Duvall, the general. He was the general on set. He was the general at home. Uh, so we were, it was a privilege for us to get, to go to the set, which was a uh, kind of a rare thing. Uh, I do remember running around the Brady Bunch set. My dad did the pilot of that and the first seven episodes and then also on the family and on all in the family, my, my dad was a big, big man Our uh, Carol O'Connor was also a big, big man. And I was this little guy, you know, and terrified. And I remember walking on the set and just kind of hiding behind my dad's leg and, just absolutely that, that booming voice of Carol's just terrified me. And, and I knew enough about the show. I want to say I was probably about five, you know, I knew enough that, that Archie had his own chair and, uh, Carol kind of got down to my level and he said, now listen, he says, I don't want you to be afraid of me. He says, I'm a nice guy. And, uh, This over here is my chair. I'm the only one that's allowed to sit in it, me or one of my friends. And I'd very much like it if you'd be my friend. And he picked me up and sat me in his chair. And I, years later in high school, went to the Smithsonian and saw the chair. And I thought... I sat in that chair when I was a kid. It was great.
0: That is so crazy, especially because I, I mean I, I'm the king of like old sitcoms, and I love them. I mean, I'm like I could name the, all the cast members of Welcome Back, Cotter, and right. Barney Miller. And he did you, Barney Miller. He did all
1: of those, every one of those seventy shows. He did the, the pilots to Jefferson's Good Times, Mod, all those spinoffs,
0: uh, and then just worked for years. That, um, that must just be. I mean, just though, as a, even now when you watch shows, it's like something where you know, probably if you think about it. Between you and your father now, because you direct Big Bang, and, well, mom's not in syndication yet, but Big Bang's well, I mean, when it starts they start playing the episodes that you've directed. Sure. Probably like every day somewhere in this country, one of the riches <laughs> episodes is on TV. If it you could think about be. it. Yeah, well, certainly
1: my dad. I, I'm I'm still a newbie when you, it comes to this. You're but, gonna but, be there. Yeah, I mean Big it's Bang. coming.
0: It's coming. So so you 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 grew up with this, and now at what point in your mind You know, when you're in school, you know, because it's it's tough. One, it's tough to follow in anyone's father's footsteps, especially when he's.
1: Feet are so big. I'll tell you. Uh, uh, he, uh, in uh, 1985, I was a junior in high school. And it was my first year that they said, you can actually go get a job if you want, your know, pocket money and all that. And uh, my dad was doing two shows. Uh, it was a, He was directing and executive producing a show called Mr. Sunshine with Jeffrey Tambor. It was a 13-episode uh, thing that never went beyond that. Um, and then he was also executive producing a little show called MacGyver. Um, and that ended up going seven or eight years. And so I said, this was in, yeah, uh, probably May, April, May, after the show had been picked up. Uh, I said, you know, I really love to be, uh, uh, they called them runners back then, but basically a production assistant. Uh, I said, love to be a production assistant. You know, my driver's license, I can drive. And my father said, absolutely not. I do not believe in nepotism. Um, you know, if I hire you, I'm taking a job from someone else. You go to school, you go get an education. And if you want to work in this business, you do it like everybody else. But, you know, I'm I'm not going to be the one to do it. It's, it's not right. And then my mother said uh, to my dad, you have a show and your son wants to work on it and <laughs> you are going to hire him. <laughs> So uh, my initial job uh, was thanks to mom, actually. Are so. you
0: Italian or Jewish? Jewish. Okay. Yeah. So was one of the two because <laughs> it's, 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 it's always the mom. It's always the Yeah. And, uh,
1: and, you know, and that summer was absolutely fascinating. And, you know, he had his job at Paramount. And th- this isn't just my first job in the business. This is my first job, period. Okay. You know, it was $5 an hour. Uh, I don't remember if we got overtime. Maybe we did, you know, uh, time and recorder or something like that. And I do remember uh, my father saying, you know, the major thing is uh, if you make a mistake, own up to it. Don't lie. Don't try to cover it up. Don't pretend that it didn't happen. Just come to me and tell me. Um, and one of the things I was in charge of that summer was his schedule. And he had a, he had a doctor's appointment with his uh, foot doctor, a uh, sweet little man uh, in Beverly Hills named um, Dr. Reisner, Harry Reisner. And... Um, you know, it was a standing kind of appointment, and I had this organizer that my mother had bought me to be, you know, the 80s. It's one of those day runners. And I look in the thing, and I realize, uh, uh-oh, he had an appointment yesterday with Dr. Reisner, and I forgot to tell him. And so I'm thinking, all right, well, he says, you know, uh, own up to it. Don't make him a And – but I hear him in the in the other room on the phone, and I don't know who he was yelling at, but every expletive you could possibly imagine. <laughs> and the, he stand he had smoked a big cigar, and he's pacing. And you know, goddamn, whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, well, you still, I better tell him. He said, "The worst thing you can do is, is lie or cover it up." So he hangs up the phone, slams it down, looks at me, says, "What?" And I said, um, uh, "Yesterday, you, you had a." Uh, an appointment with dr reisner and i forgot to give it to you and i'm i'm really sorry and i just i, I had to tell you and i'm thinking he'll say okay this is our first lesson good job you know <laughs> his face turned a shade of purple that i, I was kind of <laughs> shocking and the cigar and he went I, I promise not to swear, but but on this one, God damn it. And he said, I haven't missed an appointment with Harry Reisner in 25 years. And if you weren't my effing son, I would effing fire your ass so fast you wouldn't know what hit you. Now, you get on the phone and you tell him it's your fault and all this stuff. And the lesson here was uh, really applied to everything in the business for the rest of my career. Timing
0: is everything. Wow, that's so. <laughs> yes, right. Though. I, was, I was thinking, you know, I'm, I'm, you're lucky he didn't fire you. I mean, a lot of fathers would fire their mm. kid. I mean, that's the one thing. But then he would have heard crap from your mom. Absolutely. And then it well, been. no, then they divorced shortly after. That. Okay. So that
1: was really, uh, you know, a whole other shebang. But,
0: but that's my early time getting the business. So, so you get in the business, and now you're in it as a PA well, a right. runner. And so after doing that, you decide this is what you're – you, you decide you're going to be life. or did you work uh, short? Uh, uh,
1: no. After that first summer, I, I realized that everyone that I worked with was absolutely insane, okay. uh, it's, and basically my father. <laughs> I thought, this is an industry filled with crazy people, and I want to get as absolutely far away from it as I possibly could. And the next year, uh, I ended up getting – Ah, One year I was a camp counselor. One year I actually worked for the Getty Research Center. My mom had been a professor at UCLA and got me this job uh, shelving books in the Getty Center library in some vault in the marina. And I made good money, but I had never been so bored in my entire life. And there is something about, to me, uh, I I think about it, uh, it's the smell of the stage. It's that feel when you walk on a sound stage, and that smell of the fresh cut lumber. And hairspray. It's kind of a weird combination, but there, and then you see the lights, and there's just magic there. Okay. And so uh, to, to this day, when I drive on, I've been, Warner Brothers has basically been home for the last, since 2003. Uh, I still get that tingle when I drive on the lot, and it's like, I, I get to work in Willy Wonka's chocolate factory.
0: It's so funny. We went to a, 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 a Sullivan, Sullivan and Son shot at uh-huh. Warner Brothers. We went Across to. Across like, from us. Yeah, because yeah. I knew uh, Gary Cannon, the, the crowd warmer up hmm. And me and Joanne went to see a show. And it is just amazing when you walk around that studio and you see the plaques. And you sit there and you go, oh, my God. Or just something shot here. Or just anything. And you're like, this is so. And it is. This is so cool. And funny because you work in Big Bang. We actually, one day, we're driving. And the Indian gentleman. Uh, 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 Kunal Nair. I believe he has uh, had a brand new Maserati. For every other week, there's probably something new. Okay. But yes, but no, he, has, he has a Maserati. Okay, because <laughs> we're driving. We're driving down Olive because I live in Burbank. And it's got the tags and it's sort of driving slow. And I always think when people say, well, when you get a new car, don't drive more than 35. And I'm driving and I have an old car and I pass on the side and it was him and it was coming out of the Warner Brothers lot. But it's just so – even then enjoying. I was like, oh my god. But it's just funny because when you're around it, you know, you, you do – you still get certain goosebumps. Like when I saw the studios, you know, I because I interview people all the time. But when you sit there and you go somewhere and you go – Wow, you know this was shot there for you to go on the set every day, and also because you grew up in it it's like it's like it 's like your lineage it's, it's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's where you 're supposed to be you- for, you do
1: forget and there are times like whenever i 'm directing big Bang uh, we shoot on a tuesday, so there uh, because we shoot on a Tuesday, I can work on my camera shots uh, I have a little more time you know when I do mom it's a it 's a friday night show uh, i 'm still you know, As I said, I'm, I'm, I've been an assistant director for years and uh, just in the last five years started directing. I just shot my 20th episode, which was great. That's awesome. Um, and, but on Mom, I don't have quite as much time to, to really go over line by line. I, I have to lean a lot more on the associate director with shots there. Uh, on Big Bang, though, I, can, I actually like to come into the studio on Saturdays and just be in the set. And work on the shots, and just kind of, you know, if you're standing there in with the furniture, and you see, like, oh yeah, okay, if I put a camera there, this is the shot I can get, or I don't think I'll be able to to get this one. It it, it changes the plan, but and then I'll take these moments where I'll just kind of look up and go, wow, you know, how many people we have? So many fans of, of that show that would just die to sit in that upset you know quiet and, and we forget uh, all of us that are there because you know most of us i would say 95 percent of us have been there since the very beginning i didn't do the first pilot but i did some reshoots of the pilot uh but then was on board as the first ad uh since day one and it still fee it still feels like just a new show i mean yes there's when you walk outside the stage and you see the tours go by and you see the reactions when they see the actors, it's gotten, you know, we know it's huge, but in our little world on that rehearsal day, on Wednesday, Thursdays, and Fridays, it's still, you know, it just feels like a place that you go to work and these are your colleagues and, and you just forget. It's it's very easy to forget what kind of impact it makes. And,
0: That's so cool. That's like, so, so now what uh, started your path to becoming a director?
1: So uh, my, my dad actually... Got on board and uh, realized that you know I was interested. Um, yeah, also when we were kids, he used to make us watch dailies. And so we would kind of train our eyes. And also as a family, we did a lot of it, big international travel. And my, th- my father got tickled because I would watch, I just remember there was some, uh, it was a fantasy island in the 70s that took place on Devil's Island. And we had actually taken a cruise that stopped in Devil's Island. And, okay. I, and I said, I go, Dad, that's not Devil's Island. It doesn't look anything like Devil's Island. And, you know, I was 10 and he just found that endlessly entertaining for him, you know, because he was just a, a poor kid from Queens and dreamed of this big life, and, um, and he achieved that for himself. And so, you know, I, I think the fact that we took an interest, that I didn't give up, uh, that after college I said, no, I'd really like to come back, and I became a, um, a PA on MacGyver. Uh, they were still running, and by then MacGyver was up in Vancouver, so I worked in the post department. And so I got to learn a bit about that. Uh, And then he got a show in 1991. It was six episodes. It had so many different titles. I think it aired as The Man in the Family. It was with Ray Sharkey. Leah Rimini was in it. It was just kind of a cast of everybody that you would recognize their faces, maybe not their names. Um, Ed Weinberger was the executive producer. And my dad said, you know, we should get you in the Directors Guild for the health insurance. And... Back then, you could get in. I think you still have this loophole, but where you could... If they promised you a certain number of days, and because it was a videotape show, um, you could be kind of grandfathered in. And that's how I got into the Guild. And that first year out, he did that show. He did a second show with uh, Brian Keith and Cloris Leachman called Walter and Emily. It was a Whit Thomas show, and I was the second AD, basically. We were called stage managers, but it was second AD. And then I did a movie... Uh some low budget uh it was like three weeks. Um really kind of an interesting because <laughs> I had I had only done sitcoms at yeah, that it point. Must, it
0: must be a very different world. Well
1: no, I'm doing the call sheet and the first AD says, okay. I said, What time do you want me to be in? She says, Well, first talent's five thirty. Um you know, makeup's in at five, why don't you come at four forty five? And I looked at her and I said, Why are we starting so late? And she looked at me and she said Four forty-five in the morning, honey, and I, I in the morning. I said, We're shooting in Van Nuys. I, what? And I had literally been this, you know, sitcom guy that we came in at a civilized time, like nine. You know, the earliest you might come in at seven thirty, and so that was a real trial by fire. And um, and then I just kind of started to climb the, the ladder. The, after that, those two shows with my dad, um, I didn't get any work at all. Nobody knew me, and
0: I, then I did. A, I was a stand-in. Uh, what did you do? The uh- get the insurance for what was your position or you a oh,
1: uh, second ad just So that was the sure. director's guild has the and it, he my dad was saying insurance and pension you know okay. he was already thinking about pension. so what but, does a second ad do well second ad is it's actually one of the most critical things on the set and as a first ad I, you know the, i always want to weigh in on the second ad the set pa Uh, and your hair and makeup people as far as personalities. And and the reason for that is that those are the first faces your talent is going to see in the morning when they show up. So if you have someone that... Steps to the car and it's like you're five minutes late and you've got that energy and it's like why well, you know why aren't you and make that actor is then or actress is gonna it, it, it sets a tone and you know our job as ads really all of us is to create a safe place to work um, because I don't know if you've ever acted
0: I, I, uh, I I've acted in a few I, I was in I was in I was in one of the worst movies ever it was called Killer Drag Queens on Dope and it had Alexis Arquette. Oh, that's- and Freddie Boom Boom Washington That's and Mark Belsman, who's been in a ton of stuff. And I played, me and him played these two thugs and we're both, he's chubby, I'm me. Like we're right, like the right. furthest thing, Anthony and Tony. We're right. both like the whitest guys ever. <laughs> but yeah, but it's fun though because everyone in the set was cool. So it made it a lot easier. Well, I,
1: and this, we'll lead into this later. I know you, you know uh, my mentor is Robbie Benson, right. who is an actor director. I worked with him for about 10 years. I was his first AD on almost all his pilots. Uh, and just one of the best teachers I've had in my life, and he taught me because I had no desire to be an actor. I'm a terrible actor. Um, uh, occasionally on Big Bang, I will stand in for I'll, I'll do a table read if Jim Parsons is gone, and you know that's a thankless task because no one is Jim right uh, I've also done Kunal, and sometimes when I, I do I don't do a bad Indian accent, but when I do Jim or do Sheldon it comes out with an Indian accent so uh, but Robbie taught me as an a d to think like an actor. he said, "Go stand." in their marks and see what you see and it's kind of amazing you know uh when i was a brand new first ad he was one of the first people that actually hired me um you'd stand in the mark and you go oh look there's a ladder where i'm supposed to walk through you know um he also recommended that i take an acting class and it was probably the best advice i ever got and i i took a class from a guy named Stuart rogers who's a fabulous teacher uh as a uh, uh place called theater tribe over here in the noho arts district and i studied with him for about two three years Yeah, my
0: friend fritz weiss used to be in the theater tribe yeah. years ago
1: and and i had said and i went to high school with Stuart. and i said you know i'd really like to come you know either audit the class take it i don't i'm not an actor i don't want to be one but i'd like to be a director and he had great advice too he said you know what come take the class i'm gonna put you in the advanced class even though i hadn't acted a day in my life but because of my growing up and what i and working in the business he said but do it like an as an actor don't do it as a director i want you to experience what they're experiencing and one of his assignments was to write a 45 minute monologue about your life and get up there and perform it and i had no problem writing the monologue i'd written a i'd written a a spec script of macgyver and they actually bought it and bought the story so i you know writing was kind of my thing um but to stand up now you know i I didn't do it immediately i think i had been in the class about nine months stood up on that stage and these 30 people there had been, these are my friends at this point, you know, people I got to know. And you get up on that stage and the throat goes dry and the mouth goes dry. And you realize every actor in some level uh, experiences that that kind of terror. And I don't think it gets easier when they get more famous.
0: I think it actually, there's more at stake. Because you have to deliver. You I mean, have that's to, the yeah. thing, you have, you, you know, when you're young, you can make a mistake. But if, if someone went up and flubbed the line on Broadway, oh, everyone's going to hear it. But if it's a big actor, if it's someone no one knows, oh, they well, don't care. Sure. Well, and so that knowing
1: that there's that kind of terror that comes with it, uh, it's our jobs as a director, as an assistant director all of us on the crew really is to make this a safe space a place to experiment uh especially the really famous actors you know to try something and be silly and you know what it's okay to be bad um and then but but if they feel inhibited in any way um so that all brings me back to the second ad you're really a psychologist and it's how do we create this home kind of atmosphere where they feel safe
0: so you were second ad for a little while and then you said you did stand in, and you stood in for shadow Stevens. it was which, an, in
1: between i don't Oh, look anything
0: like you know, and, and, he was, you're, and he's really tall yeah and so I said to the first
1: AD I said you know Shadow's really tall and he right. said this is the 93 he said well just put on some cowboy boots and I went alright so I put the cowboy boots on and he shows up in cowboy boots so you know the, <laughs> the, the,
0: the lucky thing is and his hair is very tall he, His hair and I had hair back then he, too I'm bald now, but, but, but he came in here and I was like and he's gotta be 60 something I'm like damn his hair still, like, still good. is yep. the bomb I'm like, I'm like and it's not a wig you can tell and you're like Man, screw you! Like, like when Robbie Benson came in, it's like really Robbie. You know, you're you're that good looking, and you still have that. And he has the long mane, like he's not like not like you know like Robbie Benson in one on one. Now he's got this long mane with a beard, and I'm like, most people look like a renegade. He yeah. just looks like a handsome man. Oh, and, like, he's and he's got a t shirt, and I go anywhere else, this guy would be a redneck, but no he's Robbie Benson. That's right. He looks like a, a like a successful cat. I mean, it's crazy. He's so, and he's so gifted. But anyway, that's a whole other that's a whole other story. Now, now you're doing ad work. Now, now first a uh, second ad. So I second
1: AD for years on every sitcom you'd never heard of and then I made the leap actually with Robbie. Um, Now, how did the leap come about? um, Robbie was, well, uh, there was one show with my dad. Uh, The the first AD got, uh, his appendix was bursting. So, I ended up firsting that episode uh, or that night and then the following week. So, that was the first time I did it. But then, and I probably was a second for another maybe four years, four or five years. And just, you know, my father had always taught me, he says, just learn, just become the best, become the absolute best. So I, you know, and he said, if you can learn to block extras, uh, background actors, uh, you 'll be in demand all the time, and I did I got quite good uh, multi camera is a whole different ball game you know because you're you 're doing it for a live audience. The extras have to remember line cues, and you know you 're blocking for four cameras and not just one with reverses and you know that single camera has its own challenge but um and you might block a background artist on Thursday and then they have to remember that all the way through Friday night uh, in front of the audience, so I just became very good at it. And you meet a ton of producers. You meet a ton of directors. And I used to say, like, I did every sitcom that you've never heard of. And the good news was I worked all the time. Um, And then, uh, you know, I got a break. Uh, Robbie... I don't remember when it was. Robbie's normal first AD was booked on something else. It wasn't available. And he said – and I'd been a, I been spent a season with him, a show called Thunder Alley, with uh, Ed Asner and Haley Joel Osment okay, yeah. when he was five. Uh, I just directed Young and Hungry, and Emily's in it, and uh, she, and I met her when she was two. So it's been lovely to reunite with with that family because they're amazing. Um, and then just started, you know, climbing the ranks, and um, you know, Big Bang was my real break. I'd been, but I'd been a first AD for probably twelve years.
0: Well, you said Robbie was your mentor. Would Robbie bring you along on a show? Like, like let's say, let's say he get that you guys hit it off, you know, and you like working together, and he likes you, right. and he's a nice guy. I could see him the type that if someone was hungry, he would he would reward that because that seems like the type of person he is, and he's always been, you know, taking care of. He's always worked with good That's actors. That's exactly how he was, right? So when he would, so let's say he gets after Thunder Alley he gets a show right and they go okay you're directing this This, would he say okay I want Anthony Rich to come with me or would they would would they just I mean how would that work it would
1: depend Uh, You, this would get frustrating for me too uh, depending on the show if he was going if he was starting a series from scratch uh, then yes he would be able to bring mine I think when we finish Thunder Alley he was still coming into like he was coming into existing shows, and so he would kind of go with their team. They, they would go with their team. Okay. Uh, there was also this film tape divide, and in that, that period when it was happening, so I didn't have my days to be a film first AD. Even though it's the same job, it was just film running through the camera. So all his tape shows I would do. Okay. Um, where he did have the clout, or not clout? Uh, any director has. Uh, Certain types of cloud on, on certain things, uh, but on a pilot is where he would bring me. So okay. anytime that he and that was just him, and they would defer to the to the uh, director. I also got to know a lot of line producers, and so they typically they would bring me. They'd have more power to bring me onto a series, um, as opposed to unless it was one director doing all of it. I don't think after Thunder Alley. See, Robbie went to Friends, and he did Ellen, and so those were all up and running, and they had
0: uh, they had people. um Now, as you were a first AD, mm-hmm. did you in the back of your mind just you say, "I really want to start directing," or or were you? I mean, at what point did you did you sit there and think, "Okay, if you do a few AD jobs," and you well, you know you were younger, we're all younger, so we we're right. always like, "Oh yeah, we can do anything." You know, did you sit there and, like after a few and go, "Oh, I can direct," and then sit there and. get an early chance or just sit there and look and go holy crap I can't do that
1: I'll tell you no that's a great question Um, I I had a personal thing that I used to watch my father and you know he and I had he he was so successful in his way and he was actually really good kind hearted you know like an Archie Bunker he was not racist in any of that he was very liberal Uh, but that kind of intense uh, force of a person and was a bit of a screamer and a yeller and that is just not me it's not my way and I used to think I could never be a director because you have to scream and yell at people. And so I, so in those early days I thought, well, let me explore my writing side. I'll still kind of be an AD um, and just kind of, you know, make a living at that. And then creatively just be writing and doing other things. And I just really never thought about the directing side of it because I just didn't feel like that was something that was in my wheelhouse and my personality until I will tell you until I met
0: uh, my second mentor uh, is Andy Ackerman. Who directed Seinfeld? Seinfeld, film. Seinfeld. Seinfeld yeah, yeah, great. I mean, I always look at that. It's so funny when you because you said that because you always look at I always look at the directors, and now like because my girlfriend has gotten me more into dramas. I don't really recognize the directors, but we always watch Seinfeld. Right. But you always see Barrows, Ackerman. Uh, there's a few other guys that you always sit there and go, and and that's funny because Andy Ackerman's done everything. Well, Andy, I met.
1: Uh, I, I got brought out to New York to do a show called Late Line, and it was with Al Franken. They had done I think five or six episodes in L.A., and then the network promised al that if we if we picked up that you can move the show to new york and it was actually my first break into the film side it's so silly because now the contract is all blended but it was a big deal then um and so i got brought out to new york and i look at the director's sheet and the first two episodes is Andy ackerman this big you know and i all i knew was the name i didn't know i really didn't know anything about him just that he was this you know titan of a director and i was terrified because i had before this worked with my father, you know people of that. And then ilk. Robbie, you had gotten to know well. well. I knew Robbie really well, but Robbie, like if you know if things weren't moving,
0: it, he but you had did that it. comfortability. Correct. I mean, he, he would keep you in line, but you knew you had that trust. Now this Correct. guy doesn't know you from squat. He, you know, and I'm coming to a New York film crew. Right. You know, and I'd heard
1: all these stories about. <laughs> and you're a Cali guy. I'm coming a Southern to, California yeah. guy. That they're going to interrupter.
0: He went to University of Penn for two months. He couldn't take two the years. weather. No, no, two, two years. He, he couldn't take the weather, so he, he left. Okay, so I, so him going to New York is. I'd be like, holy crap, what's going I'd never on? seen <laughs> snow falling out of the sky. And
1: I, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Um, I do enjoy New York now, but I wouldn't want to live there uh, full time. Anyway, so I, so I get to New York and Andy Ackerman we hear this, you know, this guy's coming and he walks in he is the most unassuming, sweetest guy. And, and I was like, hi, Andy, I'm Anthony Rich. And he goes, he says, I say, hey, how's your dad? I'm like, oh, oh, you know, my dad? He said, yeah. He said, I was his editor on, um, on the new heart pilot. And it just shows you, again, how small this town is. And and then I'm thinking to myself, oh, God. You know, and I said, oh, he's doing well. And I said, I didn't realize you guys had worked together and... And I said, uh, uh, "I'm sorry. I hope he never really yelled at you." <laughs> I found myself doing that a lot, and because uh, I got the brunt of a uh, you know a lot of that stuff, and they couldn't say anything to him. Yeah. But they're like, "They're like, like damn it's it's and, the bully's kid." But and like, yeah, Andy said he goes, "Oh, he says no. He says I worshipped your dad. He said he never yelled at me. He says, but I heard it because <laughs> he'd be in the booth, you know." And they, um, and uh, I, the interesting thing was when we did late line um it was a it was a brand new they didn't do a lot of multi-cam sitcoms there i think they had spin city and they had uh cosby and that was it and uh the camera guys they were great like they and some of them that had been brought in uh but there were certain like the main thing was the construction and sets and it, the, the again the construction grips the people that actually did the work were unbelievable they became my best friends the designers and the people that did the plans, they didn't understand what sitcoms were about and, you know, what a wing wall is and how you have to adjust for different cameras moving in and out. And so that first week, you know, again, I'm a new first AD to begin with. Uh, I think I'd only done three or four series. Uh, I am putting out fire so fast that you know I can I can barely stay ahead of Andy because it was just this big big show and it was we had eight cameras it was kind of like sports wow. and, do you remember sports night yeah 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 it was th- of that ilk it was it was kind of a, a spoof on nightline uh and it was actually it was wonderfully written um but just very technical we had four film cameras four tape cameras and you'd have little uh like the news that you'd go off to these different remotes all on the stage but it, the poor crew didn't know yet you know uh, what's <laughs> like how this whole process works? And Andy was only doing two episodes, and then I was going to stay on. You know, we'd have multiple directors uh, for 13. And again, you can't yell at a crew that doesn't know any better yet. You just have to be stay ahead of these things and know guys, you know what let's move that wall over there. I need to get a camera in here. You know you can only go fast enough and I remember thinking, oh, this director is going to think I'm the worst first a d in the world because we' I just keep saying to him like i'm sorry we' I got, we're gonna do this scene right now because that scene's not ready, and whatnot and it turns out he had seen all of what I was doing. I just didn't know that he could see it right and of all the directors, he's the one that hired me all the time. Like, I moved back to L.A. afterwards, and then I probably did all of his pilots or a big chunk of his pilots for the next 10 years. Um, and I've been so busy now with Big Bang. We shoot so late uh, and even with directing that uh, I had to turn down uh, a pilot this year. And he calls me every year, and it's like, oh,
0: it just breaks my heart. Um, so how did you end up starting? How did you get – okay, so you, you work and you're getting, you're getting your name out there. Now, how did you end up on Big Bang? and when you started did you ever ever and i always ask actors this who've been in these shows did you ever think that it would i mean just blow up it's like i had someone who was on uh, supernatural and he came in later jim beaver and, oh i did he was on thunder alley okay. Okay. i love jim Beaver. i know he, him very well yeah he was like you know supernatural i don't know and then it was just on for like and it's still on i believe but when you how did you get the big bang did you ever think it would be like this phenomenon which no. is i mean i always say you know a show is huge if you go into target and you see a show that says bazanga i mean it's like you know or you see their merchandise at target or kmart you know that show's big because people i mean people just don't buy
1: let me tell you last year for our summer vacation we uh, joey and i went to machu picchu we were flying home we were flying on the Internal Peru flight from Cusco to Lima, and it's like fifty
0: minutes. Right, showing two big bangs. (laughs) I look it up, and it's really this is a floor from Cusco. Like, I I got in, I got into it later, but just for like on Saturday when we're eating dinner, we flip around. I think I got into it maybe five seasons in, but I think because it's on so much, I think I've seen every episode. Like you sit there and you go. And then all of a sudden you go, wait a second, how did I – How did I? this show is from the first season. How did I just start watching this a few seasons ago? And I've seen this show, this episode, like three times. It's I mean, a, it's amazing. It's addicting.
1: It's, uh, when I first got on the show, uh, it, it was a weird year. It was 2007. And there's this website, uh, Futon Critic, I'm sure. You're, and we can. you can go – when you're hunting for work, you can go on and see what's in development, what the pilots are, and see who's there. And so I keep clicking, and there were no multicams that year. In fact, I really thought I'm either going to have to be in – I think I did a couple days on Big Love i thought as a second second i thought i better get something um and i kept you know clicking on things would catch my eye and so this big bang kept catching my eye and i'd look at it and it's a chuck Laurie and i went oh well that's two and a half men they've got their own people i'll never get onto that show and i think at that year there was also a, a jimmy burroughs had a show with kelsey Grammer, and i think that was it i mean there was nothing and so I was actually resolved to not work and a line producer that I've worked with forever. Uh, she just retired Sunday. We just threw a uh, we had a dinner with her uh, named Fayoshima Baloo, who's just the most special human being. And she's been a producer forever. Um, and yet another mentor, another one of my great teachers. And she got this show and she said, you know, I can't hire you yet, but I, you know, you're the one I would love to bring. Um, and it was, Faye, And then there's a producer who's also the the, um, costume designer from Two and a Half Men named Mary Quigley, who's been an old friend of mine and I had worked with her. And between the two of them, I ended up getting the show. And it was literally the only first open first AD job that season. Uh, And then those first seven or eight episodes... I You know, it just seemed like a normal, regular new show. I mean, working with uh, Chuck Lorre, again, this was, I mean,
0: he is a titan. Uh, well, he, they said he's the, he's the only one who doesn't have to give the network notes. So when you when you sit there, like now, like Nick Bacay said, like when you go and write for him, it's a great easy day because it's not like, we have to go to studio here. I mean, network here. You just sit there and they go, okay, here's the script. There are no notes. I'm doing it. And let's just do it. Which must be great for us.
1: He's, he's, and he is, he is true. We'll talk about him in a minute. He is absolutely brilliant. You know, I had heard stories about him. Uh, you know, he's a, he is, suffers no fools. And, uh, I, getting to know him too, I, I he he was a musician, and I I look at him as someone who has perfect pitch when it comes to comedy, and it's every part of the sh- whether it's the cup that you're drinking out of, whether it's the headphones that I'm, or the line or the clothes or the set or the pillow or the book, what whatever it is, and it's all story and script related, and you know people had said you know oh be careful this is somebody that's you know it's very difficult to work with. And that first day I watched him and I went, "No, oh, yeah, I understand this is my dad. Right. And nicer than my dad. <laughs> um, you know, my dad uh, could sometimes kind of blow up and be enraged and be a little, you know, usually when Chuck does it, there, there's a reason. Um, and my father was like that too. But I also think there was that father-son thing like I, you are not going to have an easy ride. Um, so that's a whole other story, but um and, yeah, it's been um, – well, so then that first season, I remember the writer's strike hit after – I think we had done seven episodes. And then we didn't know it. We, the writer's strike hit. Everything shut down for four months. And we didn't know if there was going to be a show to come back to anything. Uh, and then it was just the little show that could. And um, just started building and building and building.
0: So you're working on that. And now, you know, it's – I mean, as it starts becoming a big hit. And I think it's like anything, you know – you get on the show, and I think that the the other people, the cast and the crew, start becoming like family because because you've been with them for a while. So you're doing this now. At the whole time, are you sitting there still thinking, okay, uh, I yeah. want to direct? Are you sitting there going, okay, because you're? And it's like anything you, you've gone from second AD to AD, and now also you know, as we say, you know, you never thought you were going to get Big Bang because. It was Chuck. And so now you're sitting there going, you're on the show, you're A.D. And now, well, as anything, when a show is a hit, sh- they're pulling all... Well, here's what happened. Actually, back up a couple of years, as I now became a,
1: a high an in-demand first A.D., and I, every year I'd get a new season, but they would get... It's whatever show it was, it would get canceled. And I, there was one that I absolutely loved called Hot Properties. Uh, Suzanne Martin was the executive producer. Sophia Vergara was in it. Nicole Sullivan. Uh, Gail O'Grady. And had that show gotten a back nine, I I'd already talked to them about it. And so one of the things I used to do was shadow direct. So I would... Just take, take, you know, uh, b- before, before we started rehearsals, I would kind of block it out myself just on paper and just compare to what the director did and just, you know, try to teach myself. Um, one of the lessons I used to teach second ADs about learning to block background is, you know, turn on the TV, turn the volume down and watch all the stuff that's happening behind you, behind the principal actors, because it'll train your eye to kind of, you know, see what's back. Okay. I would do the same thing uh, with shots. And or I'll go on an airplane and just I won't listen to it. I'll just watch the shots. You know, when's it a two shot? When's it a single? Over. You know, things things like that. Um, and so and I directed some theater. I still tried to do that on the side. So yeah, I would say about four or five years before Big Bang, after I had met Andy. And Andy's got this lovely personality, and you can be kind and. Uh, Uh, you don't have to yell at people. It was, that's where we started talking uh, in New York. It was this kind of epiphany, like, okay, maybe, maybe I could do this. Um, and so I actively started kind of laying the foundation for that. And honestly, if the, there were several shows that had if it had gone to back nine or season two, I absolutely would
0: have uh, would have gotten a shot. So what season was it that you finally I mean, because you're working and you're doing a good job and the show's a hit. And as I said, when the show's a hit, I'm sure every director wants to come in because right. it's a hit. And you're like, wait, and that has a great. And Jim Parsons right. always wins the Emmy. And you're sitting there, going, well, I can direct an Emmy winning actor. Well, what, what? When did you sit there and go, OK, and how did you ask? Well, here's I'll tell you how it
1: worked. Um, we have a magnificent. House director named Mark Sandrowski, who is through the roof now. He's the pilot guy, also has been an amazing teacher for me. And I had worked with him, actually, I'd worked with him on a pilot uh, when he was the associate director uh, coming up, but then he'd become qu- quite a successful director. And he really, in that first season, did the lion's share I want to say everything but maybe four or five. And then in sec- by second season, he was the guy. And, um, but then, you know, when they go off to, when big directors go to do pilots, there's usually a slot opens up. Um, our editor, Peter Chakos, uh, also a wonderful director. He got to direct an episode. Yeah, yeah. He got to direct an episode, second season. And so by third season, I thought, well, you know what I'll do is I'll plant the seed this year. Uh, and it was sometime after Christmas. Cause by then I, th- I want to say like third season, we got a two year pickup at some point in there. We got a two year pickup. And so I thought, well, if I uh, if I ask, uh, I won't get it this season, but maybe I'll get it next season or the season after that, at least because you do in this business, people, they see you in a certain way. And so if there is something that you want, if you want to move forward, you just have to let them know, like, yeah, this is what I'm thinking about. So I went to Fay Oshima, who, again, you know, this producer had been like a just amazing teacher to me. And I said, I'd love to at some point approach uh, Chuck and, you know, what do you think the best way is to go about that? And she said, well, let's gather together. I had done this, directed a one-woman show a few years before. She said, let's gather together all the reviews from uh, the theater, the various different theater things that you've done uh, just to show, you know, to kind of make a pitch. And she said, and I will actually be happy to go in on your behalf and, um, you know, just say you'd like to throw your name in the hat. And so it happened third season, I want to say sometime in January, February, it was February. And it was, we did on a Friday afternoon and she went in to talk to Chuck and she had all my materials and I got my little, you know the pamphlets together with reviews and so she comes out about 20 minutes later and and the thing with chuck is he is so busy i mean last year he was doing four shows right how do you do i'm exhausted from 24 episodes the man did 90 something you know so I I Uh, always
0: like with david kelly too i was like how how
1: how do these guys do this but he's also in i mean it's not just like i'm farming it out he is actively there you know and um so Faye calls me on the phone. I'm still at the, in the AD office working on the schedule. And she said, well, I've talked to Chuck. And she said, he does not want to see um, your packet. And I said, okay. I said, you know what, Faye, thank you so much for going in. she says, no, he doesn't want to see your packet because when I told him you were interested, he said, that's a great idea. The sooner the better. And wow. I, and then? From Chuck it, Laurie, Uh-huh. And and then I was sitting – I get the chills just, just thinking about it because it went from <laughs> – 10% excitement to 90% terror. Uh, and she's, and then uh, she said, and I think you're going to get it in five weeks. Uh, 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 you know, <laughs> and I literally was sitting in the director's chair within five weeks. And all those years, you know, when I would try to hustle for the first AD gig here or that gig there. Whatever, the directing gig, easiest thing, quote, easiest thing I ever got. Uh, so I did one in the third season. And now very early in your directing you got nominated for a directors guild I, that was another shocking thing but yes i by then so so i kind of did one a season you know the the uh, peter the editor would get one i would get one and then
0: you'd do a, day, you do first aid
1: And i'd be first aged right. so you were
0: still working on the show still working and first so you team. had that trust and they knew you so they that, knew
1: me the actors knew me okay. um, you know also it's just a spectacular place to work it you you learn so. i mean there are days where you just sit there and you're like this is a master class in filmmaking that i get to sit I get to sit right here and watch this i mean i've I've told Chuck this too. I, I said I have learned more from you about directing than my own father and he and he said i don't I don't believe that <laughs> I said, well, it's true a, you're willing to teach it uh and you know I, I, my father got a lot softer as as he got older um but it was it was a privilege he actually got to come to the taping and uh and he and my mom both are gone now, uh but they were able to attend that first taping and it was it was really was really quite beautiful and wonderful. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and <laughs> the funny thing was during the taping, uh, Chuck said um, – he said uh, – or no, how, how do how we – oh, no, he, he turned to me and he asked me, he said, do you think your father would ever want to direct again? And I started laughing and I said – uh, my dad, we, by then, his knees were really bad. He couldn't sit up in the bleachers. And I said, if that old man could get up out of that chair, hobble over here and knock me out of this one. <laughs> I said he would in a heartbeat. <laughs> and I told my dad that. And he said, oh, yeah, it's absolutely true. This "Be against my That's nature fine. otherwise. Um, he actually, I have to share, aside from that first experience too, the, um, the uh, about six weeks after the the show aired, my i sit down and have lunch with my dad and he said so there's been some distance from the episode and he'd been silent other than just so proud and all he said can i give you a little constructive criticism and i said sure pop and he goes you know the shot where sheldon's putting the hot dogs in? and i said <laughs> and you know
0: he was 84 years old at the time sharp as a tack i mean he knew what he that's his that's his whole life i mean um, it's like he's an expert he just sees it and goes it just I mean, when he sees it, he probably just automatically. But it's the way he'll direct it. That's the thing. It's well, not the way said, you're directing. Well, and he said, he said, uh, you know, the shot I'm talking about. I said, yeah. I said I had to tear apart the set to
1: get it. And there was a certain producer that's not no longer there who wanted certain shots like that sometimes. And he said, it's ridiculous, it's a terrible shot. And I said, well, I said, you know what? If I want to be asked, he says, you can't let him do it. I said, this is a different world, Pop. Like this is their show, you know. Um, i am going i am here if i want to be asked back uh <laughs> i'm going to at least present that shot right um and anyway he was he was great and just just kind of loved the loved the whole thing of it and and so for the next probably three or four seasons i would do one a year and then uh in season six i actually ended up getting two um and the second one uh you know i always put up my um you always put up your work for nomination. You never think you're gonna get anything like that. Just so that people know you're directing, especially for a lot there's a lot of us first ADs that are starting to make that transition. And so you want, you know, and, and also, you know, Big Bang, I'm incredibly proud of it. And there was a day, it was uh it was in January, and my phone rings and I'm the first AD. And um, we're it's just a rehearsal day and it says nine five six number and that's Paramount. And I'm thinking, Oh, it's a it's a pilot, you know. So I answer the phone, I have my second cover the set, and it's Paris Barkley, the president of the directors guild. And I he said, Anthony, it's Paris. And I said, well, Hi, Paris. And I, and I said, What can I do for you? And he says he says, Well, as president of the Directors Guild, it is my privilege to tell you that you have been nominated for an outstanding comedy director. <laughs> Or the big bang theory the love spell potential episode uh for the 2013 uh dga award and i, <laughs> I was like oh, you know you right. couldn't get the, <laughs> the breath out and then my next thought was i said was mark nominated and he said well i can't really discuss that with you and he says but you know I, uh, everything will be on the website sh- shortly i can't discuss your fellow nominees and i went Oh, Okay, and uh, and he says, but I will tell you, uh, he will not be disappointed. And I said, oh, I said, well, that's a big relief because I right. am <laughs> currently the first ad exactly. for him on his set <laughs> as we speak. And he said, oh, I know. <laughs> so that's, they knew they knew all of it, and it was a one. The, what was great about that night was Mark and I each bought a table, and we could bring the entire DGA crew and spouses and it just was this magnificent night and uh and then the final thing was that the, the whole theme of the event uh, was was family and they they did this stage at the century plaza with these giant um posters of you know uh very important influential directors guild members uh my father was third from the left oh cool he had you know my father passed in 2012 uh so this is 2014 no 20 uh yeah 2014 um his best friend was Jack Shea, who had been the president of the Director's Guild. So he was three from the right. He had passed away, I think, the year after that. And then another dear family friend was Gil Cates. And so seeing these Titans, looking down, it just made me That's feel awesome. great. And then my mother was able to be there. And then she passed away this last summer. So it was just a – it was it just – the whole thing was kind of a special... Oh, yeah. Because at first you're thinking, it's too soon. I, I should not be nominated for this. And then sometimes you realize the universe
0: just puts things together oh, totally. for a magical reason, and it was. Now, once you got nominated, mm. did that up your, let's say, ante as a director? Did you sit there and all of a sudden sit there and go, okay you know, even like anything, you know, because you're working with these great directors and you're new and then you get to early and it's always anyone has a lack of, not a lack of confidence, but you're like, wait a second. Wait a second. I, as you said, I I can't believe I got this, but did that sit there and you sit there all of a sudden and go, okay, you know what? I can ask for more directing and I can start going to other shows. You know, it it was, it was a little bit of that, but, but i am kind of,
1: I don't know how to describe this. I, I signed with uh, with UTA, a, a wonderful agent named Greg Iserson, who's a uh, younger agent, real hungry, coming up. Uh, about two years before that, so we had already been kind of laying the foundation uh, and trying to uh, set a lot of general meetings, doing things like that. And I was able to uh, occasionally book out. Uh, you know, I did. A, I directed a uh, Scott Bayo had a show on Nick at Night called See Dead Run um i had done that and then i do think the nomination helped him get me into some more rooms and you know so yeah we we uh i ended up getting a lot more interviews um and yeah i guess i you know not a huge amount I, i have been in a weird way holding back from leaving big bang just because the opportunities there have been uh just incredible um And uh, with the spin off of Mom, you know, out of nowhere, Chuck offered me an episode of Mom last season and it went incredible. And then this season I ended up doing three of them. And so it's it's this kind of fine dance where uh, there are certain shows that I will, if it's a high caliber show, that I will ask to book out for. I always ask him um, because I also feel like, you know, we've got two more years at Big Bang. Um, I would rather kind of protect that. Just a right. learning experience because I, I think I could come out just a really good director, uh, as opposed to just a working director. And so I'm, I'm j- just very selective. As I said, I, I got to do a couple of Hot in Cleveland's, which to work with Betty
0: White and that's those, a, uh, that's uh, those like, actors. Well, the funny oh. is when you look at them, they're all powerhouses: Wendy uh, Malik, Jane Leeds, oh, Valerie Bertinelli. They're all they've they've all been. I mean, you look at it. Just shoot me, which I loved. Cheers, you know. Valerie Brett and I, One Day at a Time, Betty White, everything. It's just amazing and it's because you're, you must be great as a director or something like that because they're so good probably at what they do that it's probably easy to direct because, not easy, but it's a lot easier because they they know, they've been doing it for years, they're not going to screw around, they're not going to screw off, they're not going to waste your time. They come in probably totally ready to go it's
1: it's uh, it's easy and it's also you know your uh, actors are they all have the same uh issue you know uh we did this huge episode with with um where it was an auction and it had a lot of resets in it and betty was absolutely uh spectacular and um you know but a couple times she'd go up on a line or whatnot and but she's 92 years old or she was at the time and i remember just kind of going in the back and i said i just Kind of uh, went to, very quietly to her and I just said, Betty, I said, this is not a play. I said, I put you in that spot for a reason. And I said, the audience loves you. And if we have to go line by line, we will. And there was this palpable kind of relief. You know, she said, thank you for saying that. And and the fact of the matter is that it just ate it up. You know, the, the audience went crazy. And she's. She's just a dynamo. Um, right. So to work with all, I, I got to do an episode of Kirstie. She had an ep, uh, uh, a short-lived thing on TV land. And it was Rhea Perlman, uh, Kirstie Alley, Michael Richards, and, um, and a guy named Eric Peterson also, just a new and up-and-coming actress. Absolutely fantastic. And to get to work with these people, I mean, that's why I want to stay in that arena, you know. Um, I directed um, I directed last week's Big Bang that was on with the drone. I directed the one that's coming uh, this coming Thursday, and we had Christine Baranski and Laurie Metcalf.
0: Right, which and, I was going to ask Laurie Metcalf because you also directed an episode of The McCarthy's. I did The McCarthy's. Now, so. did that help you getting, I mean, did you, I mean, it must have been cool because you went in and you knew one of the people because you probably know her very good because she's been recurring.
1: She's been that. recurring over the years and the funny thing is, the, the year prior uh, was one, I don't remember why Jim wasn't there for rehearsals he had I I don't remember whether it was he was doing publicity for something or it was a play but he was out for the Wednesday Thursday Friday and typically when we're interacting with the actors I will do the male parts and my second AD Nikki Laurie who is Chuck's daughter and also came up the way I did and one of the kindest, most wonderful human beings and, and she herself will be an outstanding director. Um, she'll do the female parts. And so there was about three or four scenes where I acted with Laurie. <laughs> and, you know, uh, so the following spring, when I, or, sorry, the following September when I got to the McCarthy set, when she first saw me, it was this, you know, we were trying to adjust the lens and the I like, wait, what, what? I said, yeah, from Big Bang. And that show was just uh, a magnificent, uh, experience too
0: so well, like, i always say you know, it's like you know you don't you know tyler ritter is john's son yes but then you know you don't really think about it but then after that because i watch it every week then you sit there and and you really see it in his face i mean at first because they don't they don't really look that similar i mean right. think but when you and when he there, smiles yeah when and he he when smiles, you sit yeah. there and it's, it's amazing because you sit there and you go it's like wow
1: and, and he's so talented too. I, and you I back hope back that Street show.
0: I, I'm not I hope it does I, too. I hope it comes back. And you know. you're directing a Backstreet Boy. How cool yeah, is that? Exactly. exactly. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, that sounds dumb, but everybody yeah. loves the Backstreet Boys. Yeah. So now, when uh, like this episode, this this season for Big Bang, you directed I did three. Okay, and then you directed Four Moms. I did Three Moms this year, but one mom last year. Anna McCarthy. Anna McCarthy's, And then I, I had done A Young
1: and Hungry in the Summer, uh, and that's a show on ABC Family with Emily Osment and uh, and Jonathan Sadowski, also two terrific actors. Um, and then they invited me back to do... Uh, it ended up being this. It was the second one shot, but it was the season two premiere uh, and a lovely episode, and so I got to do that. And they're they're pretty much uh, Andy Cative is their kind of house director and so he's there I think through the end of this season
0: but hopefully you know next season we'll see we'll now see. do you know how many you'll do next year for Big Bang or do you, does that just come do they say is there anything in your contract no. that says he needs this <laughs> Our contract. No, cause, no no, because I know some actors who say okay I'm putting in. Uh, we're up. We're getting re-upped so right. we say okay I want to direct three episodes here's how it works at, at <laughs> Big Bang as AD or director. I
1: get hired on Wednesday and fired on Tuesday and uh, you know then the next episode so it's Literally episode to episode. Okay. Um, I think a lot will depend on Mark Sandrowski's schedule uh, and how that that works, um, and so we'll see. You know, I um, again we're we're actively going out and meeting. I, I just we kind of call it. My agent, I call it like planting seeds in a field because you never know when these uh, when something will kind of come to fruition and so depending on the timing of things and depending on you know how things are going uh, i'm sure i'll probably book out a little bit Um, my hope is to do some more episodes of mom Um, i absolutely loved that show those actresses uh, just just uh, just
0: incredible to watch we have Uh, about five minutes sure i want to ask you now you're doing all this multi-camera would you ever parlay into the one camera shoot was that something that would scare you or, or no i would you love would, it. you would master the it. funny thing is i love watching uh, dramas i mean i
1: we love the good wife uh there's just uh, I, that would be a it's a whole other th- uh, ball wax um so i would need to do some shadowing and things like that but i i think i could pick it up I can hear my dad from the other side saying, "You know, single cam so much easier. You know, <laughs> you don't have to deal with the four cameras and the timing. And you know, there is that music to a sitcom. Um, but sure, I'm open to this point. of the I, I
0: I like to tell people I'm I'm riding the wave. You know, I'm just enjoying myself. And now, is it weird for you, though? But when you have to go, when you go from directing, then mm. you go back to AD. Is it sort of a weird transition because you sit there? Also, do you have that director? <laughs> thought that that mindset when you sit there and, as the, and you sit there and go shit i would have well, done that different or how that must be a weird it juggle. would be except that mark Sandrowski is just uh, unbelievable so you know i will when i first was starting
1: it uh sometimes if that voice started to come or if i could feel it coming up the voice box i'd clamp my mouth shut because it's really not appropriate uh i mean my dad always taught us that too you know it's like it is the director set you don't you're not seeing everything a director's doing something for a reason um, you know but so no um, and what it's funny I, when we would when I would shadow direct with Mark sometimes this is a very odd thing but he's right-handed and I'm left-handed and one time I blocked a scene that was literally the same relationship but mirror image wow and you know so the relationships were exactly the same but um, no I'm pretty good about it and usually and if it's been a tough episode like the drone one uh, was just technically very, very complicated. I can imagine. Oh, <laughs>
0: watching, I was there.
1: Well, the drone and the guys couldn't be in the set at the same time. So we had to do – it was all split screen and lock-offs. And, you know, so you really have to do your homework. Is that because they might get hit with they it? They could or? get hurt. Okay. Uh, our pilot was a 20-year-old <laughs> who'd been doing it since he was five. Amazing. He like he was the star of that episode. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it Warner Safety. And, frankly, as a director, too, I, I was never going to allow anything – If, if I'm not comfortable sitting in the set uh, when that's happening. I would never want an actor to be sitting in the set when that's happening. So
0: now the season's wrapped. Yes, just last Tuesday. So, and you guys, I know you enjoy your going on vacation. Uh, now, do you just take when you go on vacation? Do you uh, think about getting work, or is it just you, is it in your mind, or do you sit there and go, well, "I'm going on vacation"? Because <sighs> you have to. It's just it's in our blood. This year, I'm going on vacation
1: okay. uh, because I know I have a job to come back to. In,
0: earlier days i'd still go on vacation but then i'd be
1: checking you know the announcements and, and whatnot <laughs> um yeah I, this next year is going to be a real transition p- piece uh period for me i don't think i'll be first ading i'll continue first ading on big bang i don't think i will go uh anywhere else uh unless somehow i was off when andy Ackerman was off and he called me for a pilot i would do it with him um but i i think over this next year or two uh you know um I probably will start directing full time. I again, I just I don't want to rush out. I, there's a lot to learn from Chuck, and
0: uh, I like having the access. Yeah, that's great because, as I said, you you know, you know, it's two years, and it's still it's a program. When you come out, you'll be a beast. I, I and I've been taught to save money, so I can go for f- some time. Uh, and you think though, you you've directed like last year, you directed. Between things, eight or nine episodes. So yeah, that's like that's a that's like a whole season on on cable. And, and as you said earlier, Big Bang <laughs> re- reruns like crazy. So you know, and I have a website that tells me it'll send an email like, "Hey, your episodes are coming up." You know, so you so, get you get residuals for that. Oh, <laughs> so, so, so oh, God, you must be. Oh, there. So, it's crazy. I mean, eight episodes. I mean, you've done whatever. And like, nine episodes. Great. I've so, done nine Big Bangs, nine, and so that's and, like, and they, as I said, they probably play once every. i keep playing. So I want to thank you for coming on. It's my pleasure. It was great Steven, to meet. Thank in, you. And I'm glad. I'm glad because uh, I hit up Joe. And I said, ask him. And I know you were busy during the season. He goes, okay, but we're going on, and now you have to go get your operation because yeah, the I tore my meniscus. That's annoying. <laughs> so yeah, so now do you tweet or anything? I don't know if I, I don't you, do any of that stuff. No website. No. Well, you can you uh, know. go to Go to Anthony Rich, not Tony Rich, because that's someone different. But if you go into IMDb, go to Anthony Rich. For you know, some reason, it's Anthony Joseph Rich, <laughs> and I never. I don't know why I tried to change it, but there's another Anthony Rich. So, but well, that's what it is on IMDb. But. Go there and see what episodes he's directed, and look for them because you can always Google when an episode is going to be on. They always say when. And so go look. What his work so anyway also people so uh, follow me on Twitter it's at Cooper Talk that's at Cooper Talk um, go to my website Coopertalk.net. I have about 370 episodes up there. You can send me an email, cooper at coopertalk.net. I always respond. I'm, I'm getting some crazy different guests for you guys. I'm getting some musicians. I have the bassist from The Cult coming in in a few weeks. I have a, a great actor named Nick Searcy, a great character actor named Michael Bunin, who's in everything. And just I'm getting in more people. And Peter Johansson, who's directed and acted. So, yeah. And also, you go to my uh, new website, StopTheSalt, StopTheSalt.com. That's my project. It's a low-sodium cooking book. Stop The Salt, low-sodium cooking for one without killing yourself. It has 120 recipes. When I got out of the hospital, I wrote the book. 120 easy recipes. So when you sit there, there's no pictures, you won't be intimidated. It's basic ingredients. So you don't sit there. If you don't have cumin in the house, don't worry. You can still cook. So go there, StopTheSalt.com. You can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on Barnes & Noble. But if you go to StopTheSalt.com, buy it from me. It's nine ninety nine plus three ninety nine for shipping. I will sign it. And I actually mail it myself. I go to the post office and I mail it because that's my uh, shark tank moment. Anyway, so that's about it. I'm Steve Cooper. Remember, follow me at Cooper Talk at Cooper Talk, uh, Cooper at coopertalk.net. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. I will talk to you next week.